0: Had the honor of interviewing Tom Twilliger, athlete, entrepreneur, and motivator. Tom was a huge success, like the biggest success you could possibly be in the bodybuilding world, and he transferred those skills over into business and personal development. He's been a huge inspiration in my life over the course of the last ten years, and his insight and perspective on life, um, challenges, business, personal development. They all inspire me to be a better person. So please enjoy this episode. We talk a lot about having a comeback plan because he just wrote a book about your comeback plan in this age of COVID virus, coronavirus, and all of that. We talk about how... When you are too focused on your problems, you cannot see any of the opportunities. We also talk about moving from fear, doubt, and uncertainty into action. I know you're going to be inspired when you listen to this podcast. You're going to want to jump out of your seat and do something because Tom has that effect on everyone. Please enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so jazzed, and I know I say I'm so jazzed every time, but I really am so jazzed today (laughs) to be talking with, I'm happy to call you a friend, my friend Tom Trilliger. And before we dive in real quickly, I want to tell y'all how I know Tom, because you never know how things are going to work out. You just never know. So back when I worked at this amazing place called Chief Functional Training Centers, I was just a teacher. Um, Tom was training clients there, and I had no idea how big of a deal he was. I don't know if you will tell people how big of a deal you are. You're a very big deal, um, especially in the bodybuilding world, and. When I got into bodybuilding, I figured out what a big deal you were. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's this amazing resource right at my fingertips. And all along for these last five years, I had no idea. So, Tom, can we talk about that? So now you are a life coach, business coach, speaker, and author, right?
1: That's that's correct, yeah. And, and again, I think in everyone's career and lifetime, they have uh, evolutions. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's something we should all seek to do to a degree uh, because those moments come where we – We feel compelled to do this or this or or it's necessary to do this or this, even just to survive at any given moment. But we all have more in us. And I think uh, it doesn't doesn't necessarily require um, doing something better or something bigger, but just something perhaps different, using your skills in a different way, perhaps. But I will say this, um, that God bless those people who have found their mission, their purpose, and are doing what they love to do almost from day one. But yeah. even that has an evolution, has an ebb and flow with it. So, yes, I've evolved, I guess you say, from not your training. I did training for years, owned athletic clubs back in New York, several big athletic clubs, and then came out here, opened a personal training studio in Denver, Colorado, sold that, and then was doing some, you know, just kind of like, hey, I'm kind of wandering around a little bit. I like what I like the training. I love doing personal training. I love the connection. Very sociable person, very extroverted. So, I have to be around people. And this, by the way, this COVID, this, uh, Captivity, you might say, is not good for anyone. But if you're extroverted and you really enjoy that connection, and I think we all need that connection, uh, it's, it's, it's particularly difficult, you might say. Um, so I love training and continue to do that, and then decided to uh, write a book and get more into the coaching, more into the mindset training. Working with entrepreneurs is a perfect spin off from that. Working with anyone for that matter who wants to, again, find their evolution in life, find their progression in life. Uh, but particularly for business people because it becomes very tangible. It's Mm -hmm. very tangible. It's like the goals are there. And what I really find interesting about working with entrepreneurs is, um, is that it's their mindset in many respects, the owners, the operators, the entrepreneurs themselves, that will limit the growth of their business. So it's easy to measure. We could say, hey, your business isn't growing as a result of your limits, as a result of your ceiling. So if we break through your ceiling, the business will break through as well. So that's that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing these days and, and still writing and enjoying uh, working with people as much as possible. One on one. I love it.
0: Oh, I love this. I have so many questions about all of that. I first want to ask, though, as you were making that evolution, was it hard for you to transition? Like, did you have to shift your identity totally? Because I see a lot of people getting stuck in that old identity and they try and get out, but then it pulls them back in. Did you find any of that? Did you feel any of that?
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent, you're right on. everyone feels the same thing for the most part. Some people it's it's not as big a struggle, but I think for a lot of people have been doing what they've been doing for quite a while. And if you've stepped into something like like what you and I uh, have done for years, which is coaching and working with people, whether it's training or through yoga or body work, whatever it might be on nutrition, um, it becomes part of our identity. It's, it's who we are in many respects. But I learned early on from my bodybuilding career, that these type of transitions take place. They happen. In fact, it was, it was early on when, I, when I, I was competing. I had already won the Mr. America competition. I was competing at what they what they call the Super Bowl of bodybuilding, which is the Mr. Olympia competition. I uh, competed in that twice. And um, then I moved here to Colorado, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm 215-pound bodybuilder. I can do what everybody else does in Colorado. I can mountain bike. I can hike. I can do all these things. I'm a new yorker i don't do any of those things right so i get on my mountain bike you know the first literally like the first day and uh and rack it up coming down the hill in winter park and <laughs> compound fractured the arm broke the clavicle two broken ribs and uh and i was in the hospital i had allergic reactions to the anesthesia so i was in the hospital for a little over a week and it almost killed me almost died and um and so when I came out of that, it was, I, I lost, very quickly lost about 30 pounds of muscle. I mean, just like when you're that sick and that, I'm just like not training. So within about a month, month and a half, wow, 30 pounds came off, right? And so it was, it was a tremendous uh, blow to who, my identity. I was this 215 pound Mr. Olympia competitor. That's who I am. Yeah. And who, who am I? If I'm not that, who am I? Yeah. Right? So, I had to come to terms with that. I had to come face to face with that. And the first thought, of course, was, and I call this the dragon. I call it, it, it it's part of our experience of the coaching process, which is actually in the category of temptation, but I call it the dragon. So, the first thing that pops in your head when something like that happens is, I got to get back to where I was. I got to get back to that identity. I have to get back to training. I have to get back to being a bodybuilder again. I have to recapture that identity. I can't look in the mirror and see this person anymore. That's not who I am. Right. But here's the thing. Anytime we get stuck in with, that's not who I am, or this is who I am. We get caught in our own trap. So I was caught in that trap for a little bit and that's what I wanted to do. But then I came to the realization. I said, you know what? Bodybuilding even over that period of time uh, where I was ill and lost all that weight and was all busted up. uh, Not only would I have to put the 30 pounds on that I lost, but everybody that I was competing against put on 20 or 30 pounds over the course of that year. So I got to put 50 pounds on (laughs) muscle with a broken body. Yeah. So I really had to come to terms with, no, that's (laughs) not going to happen. Mm
2: -hmm. That's not
1: going to happen. So I had to really wrestle with that. And it took a little while. It took a little bit of a depression. It took a little bit of uncertainty before I could recapture and and recreate not just another identity, but evolve in my identity. And here's the interesting thing, and and I hope I don't. By the way, uh, Kylie, I'm so sorry. I tend to get verbal diarrhea a little bit, so just stop me anytime. You. Uh, But what I was going to say was that um, you know we all go through that, and we all have this level of doubt and uncertainty when making a transition. So fast forward 20 years to you know going from being uh, almost exclusively a personal trainer. Um, to uh, being a writer, a speaker, and a personal development coach and trainer, um, it was almost like a natural transition to a degree. However, there was still a part of me that wanted to stay in, in what I called the safe zone. Mm-hmm. I was familiar. This is, this is what it, we're familiar with what we're doing. Yeah. It's comfortable. We may not be fully satisfied with it. We may not be fully rewarded for it, mm-hmm. but we're comfortable with it. What's mm-hmm. the, what's the old saying? The devil you know versus the devil you don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. So you, we don't know. There's this level of uncertainty with whatever the path is that we'd like to take. We don't really know exactly what that path holds for us,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so we want to stay safe. So I wrestled with that a little bit too,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and 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 I'll talk about what helps break us free of that mindset of being stuck in what we've been doing and remaining comfortable and maybe finding a way to evolve in our lives and our careers and stuff like that. Because there's a way out. There's no question.
2: If you want amazing. Yeah.
0: I mean, cause I, um, I talk about that a lot with my clients too, because they, even when they do start to evolve, you're, you have to let go of something. It may be people like you. maybe your friends change when you're no longer a bodybuilder. Maybe like for us, when I work with nutrition clients, if your friends are always going to happy hour, you can't, it, you got
2: to change your friend
1: circle you do you do yeah absolutely in fact your the the you know your environment which includes the people you know and you associated with uh has to it may have to change it may have to evolve and it's not about leaving people behind
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: about you moving forward maintaining those friendships those associations but not necessarily with close contacts with pr- proximity mm-hmm. in fact Kylie, this is a great video I, I i grabbed the snippet of this video um a couple of years ago for one of the, the live trainings we were doing for experienced Leap, And it comes from the the movie, the peaceful warrior. Have you ever seen the movie peaceful warrior? I have not. Please please do because it's absolutely uh, a guy named Dan Millman wrote the book several years ago and they converted it into a movie and it's it probably about 10 years ago, but it's a, it's a must see movie for exactly what we're talking about because it's about a young gymnast who's up and coming and promising and could very well make the Olympic team. And he's just, He's just incredibly gifted, but he's not really utilizing that gift. He's gotten a little cocky. He doesn't feel like he has to work as hard for it as everybody else. You know what I mean? He's got it. You know what I mean? He's got it. And he's getting this training from like a Zen trainer, you know, uh, Mickey, uh, Mickey Rock, I think it is, or somebody. And along the way, he's cocky and he's riding his motorcycle and he racks it up and he destroys his bike, breaks his, shatters his leg. Oh. Shatters his leg, which threatens to end his career completely. And he winds up lost. Now the scene, and I put I, I clipped for the for the training and put on my Facebook page, which I recommend everybody watch. Yeah. the a scene where he's ready to commit suicide. He's at the end of his rope. He smashes with his cane all his trophies, and he climbs at the top of the clock tower. And he climbs out onto the edge, and he's ready to jump. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice. He says, "Go ahead and do it." And he looks over, and it's someone in a hood standing on the ledge as well. And then the figure comes closer to him, and it's him.
2: Mm.
1: And so he grabs so the so the, the figure that he's looking at grabs him and threatens to pull him off the edge. Come on! Come on, jump, do it! Because you even know who you are without me?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Do you have any clue? Do you have any idea who you are? And this was the identity he had to let go of. Yeah. He had to let it go. And so as it's trying to pull him off, threatening to pull him off, he instead lets go and allows that identity to fall and And it's incredibly powerful it's one of the most powerful scenes i've ever you know seen come out of hollywood in terms of identifying that that absolutely absolute necessity to let go of our identity in order to evolve to move on and to create something new in our lives Mm -hmm. we have to be able and you called we have to be able to let go of something Mm -hmm. in order to be able to capture something new
0: I love it because it's so possible. I just wish people understood how possible it is. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you because like, look at all the evolutions that you've had. You've changed. Like you, you're not that same person anymore. And I like to think too, I like, I call myself Kylie 2.0. I'm not who I was, you know, 10 years ago. And I just think if people realize that, I don't know, it's huge when you're working with people, Tom, you mentioned, you know, they're holding themselves back. Is there anything specific that you see commonly with people?
1: Yeah. And, and I mentioned it a moment ago in in, uh, in, in passing, but it is uh, one of the things, to, one of the ways to identify in many respects, if someone's holding, if they're their own worst enemy or they're holding themselves back, mm-hmm. uh, number one is addiction to anything. I mean, addiction oh. tends to hold us back whether it's alcohol, drugs, television, sex, any yeah. number of things, food, that tends to keep us stuck and trapped in our current identity. And the other one is when if you listen to people's language, and, 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 and you and I have gotten very um, evolved in, 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 a, in our ability to be able to uh, read sensory acuity, body language, uh, eye patterns, facial expressions, and mostly words in terms of what people say. So I, I mentioned this a moment ago, but if, if, if and we all hear it, it's, it's easy to identify if someone's trapped and stuck in their identity and not able to change if they say, ah, oh, that's not me. Or, uh-huh. oh, I could never do that. Or I'm not that kind of person. Or even the more the pretending to be more enlightened it says, I'm the kind of person who then you know they're also trapped in their particular identity. Yeah. So there's some things we can do around that. The first thing is becoming aware of it. Yeah, You have to be aware. I, I, I had no idea how wrapped up i was in my identity as a mr olympia ifbb pro bodybuilder you know <laughs> and all the accolades i would get and the recognition and i was doing a tv show it was like all wrapped up but i had no idea yeah. so the first step was to become aware of it mm-hmm. and this is it's interesting because kylie because uh, you know i talked about that mountain bike accident um but that i don't believe that mountain bike accident was an accident i believe Not that someone, you know, set me up, but my own unconscious, unconscious mind set me up. Continuing to compete in the Mr. Olympia competition after after competing twice in that competition Mm -hmm. and not placing in the top ten, I had a choice to make. Do I continue forward and almost kill myself? And maybe there were guys that were dying as a result of training for and doing what was necessary to compete at that level. Do I continue to do that and try and break the top ten? which has very little reward associated with it, or do I evolve on my own? Do I find something new? Do I take this, what I've learned, what my experience is, what, my, you know, what I've gotten out of this and, and, and do something else? And I vacillated and I vacillated and I vacillated because I was so caught up in that identity. I couldn't consciously, I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the guts. I didn't have the wherewithal. I didn't have the conscious knowledge that I needed to change. So I couldn't. Yeah. So I believe my unconscious mind made the decision for me. It tossed me over those handlebars, racked up my body, and said, "You see, you should have made this choice on your own. Now I got to do it for you." <laughs> but what it did was it made me acutely aware of how caught up I was and trapped in that particular paradigm, in mm-hmm. that in that identity. So the first step in changing it is to become aware of it. But some people are ready to become aware, and some people aren't. Right. You know, as you know, in coaching, in in you know, transcending our current status, position, lives, bodies, whatever it might be, and rising to something more in terms of manifesting our magnificence, the first step is becoming aware that we are more, can be more, should be contributing more in some way, shape, or form, and aren't, aren't living up to our potential. So that awareness is huge.
0: Well, and it's so fascinating too. It's the same, you're using the same skill set that you used when you were Mr. Olymp- or Mr. America, right? You just translated it to helping other people. It seems like to me, all that hard work, all that dedication, all that drive, it just serves a different purpose.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's fascinating because sometimes, I mean, let's face, we, have, we know people that have made complete paradigm shifts. They went from being a lawyer to a doctor. I mean, it's just like, it doesn't get much, the paradigm shift than that. And then there's the umbrella, where it's just like, hey, you could take your skills, your experience, your knowledge in one area, and transfer it over to another. Yeah. And so it does, it does require changing a little bit of our mindset and a little bit of identity, mm-hmm. but you can still utilize those same tools. So it, under, it comes under the same umbrella. And I think when we identify that, I have, I have I have two very dear friends that are emergency room uh, doctors. They're pediatricians. So fortunately for them, um, the pediatricians aren't being inundated with COVID-19 virus cases. Um, so they're, they're so they're even though they're working hard and harder than normal, uh, but at least one of them is considering a different career, and she's talking about maybe doing some coaching and and, and getting into stuff like we do in, in many respects in terms of helping people. Uh, better their lives, and and ultimately live the lives that they deserve to live,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and so we were talking about that, and it's and it's it, it easily recognizable by me that the skill set that she is utilized to be able to save lives transfers over easily to becoming a coach and saving lives in a different context, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, but that that first step is identifying that we want to, we need to, we should. Yes, create some change and some shifts in our lives. But I I will tell you this too. And this is a discussion I was having with Dawn just a little while ago. Is that this COVID-19, this uh, pandemic, this disruption, I like to call it, has created a context, a vortex, you might say, for identifying what we want and what we need to change. Yes. I think so many people are having this, right, This, this, this sort of epiphany that life, even as it was before, so many people want to get back to life as it was. But there were a lot of people who, like, you know what? Life as it was, was okay. But it wasn't helping me manifest my magnificence. It wasn't really, I wasn't living up to my potential. And it's like, it's been, we've been hitting the face with it. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to maybe make some changes along the way.
0: This is the world's bike accident. That, that's how I look at it.
1: I love that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the world bike accident. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Time to make a change. Well, and that's one thing that you've been talking about too with your with your ebook, like your comeback plan, right?
2: Yes, yes.
0: This is such a valuable opportunity for all of us mm-hmm.
1: to recreate.
0: Mm-hmm. truth be told, I haven't read it yet, but what's the basic premise behind it, Tom?
1: Well, the whole idea is is primarily to get people into action. Ah. To get them out of and again, listen, I, when when my wife and I first when, when uh, here's kind of the scenario that kind of happened to us. It was like, at first, the whole COVID-19 thing, and, and it wasn't even called COVID-19. It was the coronavirus, right? It's like, it's, it's off in the distance somewhere. It's certainly not threatening me personally whatsoever or anyone I know. In fact, it hadn't even threatened the United States yet. It was like a, a distant threat. We were aware of it. And then it became, started getting closer and closer and closer and more and more talk about it, more and more talk about it. And then all of a sudden, we get this economic shutdown. And that's when it hit home. Yeah. That's when it impacted us directly without question. And, and, and 80% of our income just went away. Yeah. Just went away. And as a result of that, it's like, holy crap, we have to like come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. And, and so the first thing that happened, is, which happens for most people, is just sort of like, like a little bit of number one disbelief, followed by a little bit of panic. Like, can we make it? What's going to happen? We don't know. There was so much doubt, uncertainty, and fear associated with it all, you know? Mm -hmm. That what happened was we got stuck in the problem, so focused on what the problem was. And the problem was not just COVID 19, that was the context. The problem was we don't have any income. The problem is we don't know if we're gonna make it. We might lose our business, have to shut it down after all these years. We might lose our home. But we had to make a decision at that point because when you're stuck in that fear, doubt, and uncertainty and focused like a laser on the problem, you cannot see any of the opportunities. Yeah. You can't see what, it's like a, like a screen or a smoke screen in front of you. You can't see what's just beyond it. You're so focused on the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were doing. In fact, I, Kylie, I, this is unusual for me and Dawn, but I began to feel like a victim. I that's began to feel like, our position in the marketplace, our income, our value had been taken away, stolen, mm-hmm. stolen. And what is it? You, you can't get much more victim mindset than that. Yeah. So we felt like we had no control over it all. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I began, and this is, goes back to the awareness piece again, not only aware of, you know, that we can be doing more, we should be doing more, and maybe I'm stuck in an identity, but an awareness of our particular situation at any given moment. So as soon as I became aware that, whoa, hold on, I'm beginning to feel like, act like, and talk like this victim, this does not serve me. This is not empowering moving forward. This does not give me any strength moving forward. We're going to have to deal with this challenge one way or the other. So is this the mindset? I want to go forward with this thing? Mm -hmm. Is this going to empower us moving forward? So that was the question. So ultimately, and this, by the way, is the first step in the seven-step comeback plan. Okay. which I wrote just specifically for this occasion. Um, the first step is, is creating an empowering decision. So the empowering decision, when we were faced with this, uh, this, this dilemma and feeling like a victim, the first thing we had to do, we had to make an empowering decision. Some people might make the decision, you know, well, I, I, just, I, just, I can't think about anything else right now. I just got to focus on this problem. I gotta, we got to survive. We got to find a way to survive. Well, surviving really isn't the best way to get through. Finding a way to thrive is the way to get through it. Mm-hmm. So for us, we had to make the empowering decision. And you know this, Kylie, is that, and, and many of your listeners do as well, is that the two prime motivators for most people is pain and pleasure, right? However, we want to praise that.
2: Mm-hmm. So the first
1: thing I did was in terms of coming up with a decision was, number one, we may lose our home, we may lose our business, but this will not destroy us. Mm-hmm. So that was the pushing what we don't want away. Because the, the, the whole looming threat that this is going to destroy us was over there. Mm-hmm. So we had to decide, okay, this is not, no matter what else, this is not going to destroy us. The other one is the torch. So we said, well, if it's not going to destroy us, what else, What then? We're going to thrive. Mm-hmm. We are going to thrive in this environment, period. We will not destroy us. We will, we will thrive in this environment. And I got to tell you, almost mm-hmm. instantaneously, that fog, that screen, Started to become lifted. Wow! uh, It it was it was almost miraculous. It was like our mindset was so stuck in the problem and the victim thing that as soon as we made a different decision, and and here's the here's the thing: you got to commit to it. Yes, you can make a decision, but if you don't really fully with your body announce it to the world, to the universe, to God, to your spouse, to your friend, whatever it might be, that this is what you're committed to, and you better commit to it. You better freaking mean it. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, like I said the veil becomes lifted, and then it's the next step, and that planning process that I have in the book, the seven-step comeback plan, is all about, number one, making that decision, number two, getting a glimpse at the big picture, because this is kind of an interesting one, Kylie, and, and, and maybe you've had this experience. I think, obviously, there are exceptions to this, but most people, when still in a bit of uh, a, a, a state of confusion or some doubt, uncertainty, even fear. Because certainly early on, there was a lot of that going around, right? It was being propagated by the media. It was propagated by, I mean, you couldn't get away from it. You still can't get away from
2: it. can yeah.
1: So even with that decision, that empowering decision, we still, we still kind of like have that red alert going on. And when we're in red alert and we're in doubt and uncertainty, it's hard, it's almost impossible to identify specific goals like really specific. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have $2.5 million in the bank by September of 2001. It's like, that's really specific and kind of challenging under any circumstances. So what I say, what I talk about in the book is forget about the specific goals at the moment, but get a good grasp of the big picture. And what the big picture is, Kylie, is if over here is all this doubt, uncertainty, fear, and we, and like we're gonna get this, this is going to destroy us and all this other stuff over here on the left, then over here on the right has to be something else, has to be the yin-yang balance. So over here, what we're doing with the big picture is we're creating a compelling future. We're creating something to move towards, to focus our vision on, because everything that's happening right now is pulling our vision, pulling our focus in one direction, a negative direction, causing us to feel like victims and doubt and uncertainty. So we need to ourselves consciously create a big picture. So instead of $2.5 dollars in the bank by September of next year, I'm gonna be living in a wonderful home. I'm gonna be fully loved with someone to love.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: gonna be making a good income with a great job. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be healthy and fit. I've already started losing weight. So all those big and it could be any one of those things or it could be all those things. That's the big picture and if you start focusing now with the rest of the plan, how is that going to happen? How are we going to bring that to fruition?
2: You know, mm-hmm.
1: then you begin to focus. Your, your gaze comes off the negative and starts to direct itself. I call it the focus directed mindset towards what it is you want to achieve from a big picture perspective. Then, of course, the rest of the steps are basically a blueprint. I won't go through them now. It'll take too much time. But, but it's basically a blueprint on how to create that plan. Specifically for you, specifically for your objectives.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: sort of like a template, you might say, where you can punch in your specifics, but it gives people something to work on and something to focus on and to get them out of fear, doubt, and uncertainty and into action. Yeah. That was the primary reason I wrote it.
0: That's great. And it makes perfect sense, too, because when you are living in fear and uncertainty, you don't want to make a move. You can't take action. Yeah.
2: I
1: can't. You you feel paralyzed, right? I mean, you're kind of paralyzed. You don't know what to do. Yeah. And think about this, Kylie. I mean, just imagine like a a Zen warrior, right? A martial artist. And he's got to go into the 16th century samurai or something. And he's got to go into battle, right? So what do they do first? They plan first. They understand who their enemy is. They recognize the terrain. They understand their weapon. They have a plan, you might say. And having that plan, number one, mitigates a lot of the fear and the doubt that might otherwise bubble up and cause them to impede their performance. Now, once they take action, once they step onto that battlefield and swing their axe, swing their sword, swing their fist or swing their mind in whatever battle they're in at the moment, there's no room. There's no room for fear, doubt and uncertainty. There's no room for questioning the plan. It's now execution time, let's go. So all the fear, doubt and uncertainty just evaporates. There's no more room for it when you're in action, Decisive action based on your plan. That's oh. why, and, and that's why I created this. I wanted to get people into action, man. Yeah,
0: that that is the thing too. And even if you take a wrong action, it's yeah. better than not doing anything, wouldn't you say?
2: Boy, At you least
1: hitting the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really hit it on the nose. Any almost any action moving forward, as long as it's an action moving you towards some better outcome than what is being imposed upon us right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're taking any action, and this is a question I got during a Q and A Q&A I did on Facebook the other night, um, it, and I'll try and I'll I'll paraphrase it, but I'm a perfectionist. I want my plan. If I create a plan, I want my plan to be perfect. Oh. And then I can't remember the rest of the. I don't even know if it was a question or a statement. It might have been just a statement like that.
2: And, I, and what I said
1: was that you know what, a perfect plan, number one, never doesn't exist. Number two, a perfect plan is going to keep you from having a great plan. Mm-hmm. And even shooting for a great plan is going to keep you from having a good plan. Right. And a, good, a freaking good plan, well-executed, with, com- with commitment,
2: mm-hmm. is a
1: hundred times better, a thousand times better than a perfect plan. Yeah. In fact, you, you might get a kick out of this, because it's really just something that just, like, I, I really I put a lot of thought into that perfect plan aspect of it. And from my, from my perspective and from my experience, having a perfect plan is actually detrimental in a situation like this. Because number one, we know there's no perfect plan. We have to have room to pivot. We have to have room to be able to be flexible and to change the plan along the way. And if we have a plan that is perfect, here's what happens. We get stuck in that plan. It's like, we got to follow the plan. We got to follow the plan. It's perfect. Don't deviate from the plan. Do not deviate from the plan. The only thing better than this, the only thing worse than this plan is your better idea, right? No. So what we that doesn't leave any room for flexibility. That doesn't leave any room for pivoting. And you're going to have to pivot and you're going to have to be flexible mm-hmm. in, a, in an environment like we're facing today. And what we're going to face when you're trying to make your comeback over the next two, three, six, 12 months.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: a perfect plan is actually not a good idea. Agree. Forget about the perfect plan. Yeah. Any plan. A good plan. A good plan. That's all you need. <laughs>
0: you know, one of the things that I hear oftentimes is in addition to like the perfect plan, they just can't see all of the steps. And so they're like, well, I, so since they can't see all the steps, they don't want to get started. What advice would you give to someone who, who has that sort of
2: mentality?
1: Um, it's not that difficult because uh, any kind of plan has, has a template. The
2: mm-hmm. seven
1: part uh, uh, comeback plan is all about that. So it goes down the list of, okay, here's the decision you got to make. Here's the big picture. We got to identify where you are. So the question, by the way, the book isn't about the content. Mm.
2: There's
1: very little, there's not, I mean, it's content, but it's not a lot of content. The content is there only to create context for the questions and the exercises. It's the exercises that get you into action, the exercises that change the mindset. So along the way, one of the exercises, one of the steps, you might say, is identifying where you are now. Not not, where are you financially? How has that changed? Where are you in your relationship? Where are you most importantly emotionally? Yes. Because I tell you, the emotions. I mean, for a lot of people, and and I'll 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 go down some of the rest of the steps. But to answer your question directly, there's a template for that, and the template is either seven steps or somebody else's roadmap. Mm. Somebody else has done what you want to do. They've done it, and they've done it successfully um somebody's trying to pull into the driveway i'm <laughs> parked in the driveway right now <laughs> so i'm flagging them off my bad. i got completely distracted oh, from right my this is life. Let, me, let me get back um so i mean there's somebody has done what it is that you want to do there's very few things in life that we want to achieve that somebody hasn't already done right right so if we kind of follow their road map We can also identify the steps along the way that they had to take to be able to make that happen. So that becomes the template in itself, right? And this, the seven steps is is based on that in many respects. But I want to go back to that emotion, where are you now? Because it's so important to identify where you are. And here's why, because there's a lot of people right now that have had to file for unemployment, uh, business protection. They're looking forward to even getting mad that they haven't gotten their $1,200 check yet. And all these other things, their business is either failing or their relationship is strained right now, their finances are, are, are really challenged. And so all those different things can lead to these emotions like embarrassment and shame and not feeling worthy and, and feeling in many respects like they're failing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you feel those things, if, you have, if you're harboring those emotions now while trying to move forward, pretty difficult yeah because you know i talk about that dragon that dragon is going to come and it's going to pull you right back again stop you mm-hmm. dead in your tracks because those emotions are so powerful mm-hmm. shame just shame for oh. example yeah. right why, why i'm ashamed of myself why wasn't i prepared for this why didn't i have more money put aside why didn't i have a, why did i take on so much debt you know so i'm ashamed i'm embarrassed i'm, I'm just and all that stuff has become so disempowering in terms of our ability to move forward Mm -hmm. um so we've got to identify that number one identify and i call it the 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 r-a-r rare (laughs) no no e at the end but i call it r-a-r first is to recognize where you are emotionally and to be honest with yourself about it Mm -hmm. really recognize it be honest about it right and then you have to be able to acknowledge that so here i am i'm feeling this shame all right i acknowledge it and you should even honor in fact i like to say Whatever emotions you're feeling, whether they're empowering or disempowering, be grateful for them. Yes. What a reframe. And that's the next step.
2: Mm-hmm. But,
1: to, but to feel grateful. I mean, think about someone who has lost their legs and no longer has the use of their legs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what if you were somebody who had no emotions? What if your amygdala was removed or yeah. gamins or other parts of your brain where you couldn't feel shame or embarrassment or you couldn't feel love or so we should be honored, number one, as, human, as fully functional human beings, mm-hmm. that we are able to feel those things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you've got to acknowledge that, and you've got to respect it. But then you've got to say, okay, I'm going to put that aside. And the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to reframe it. Yes. So whatever the experience is, you can find a way to reframe it. So for Dawn and I, um, uh, the reframe, and I tell you, because, again, we were in that at the initial stages of this thing. We were in that victim mindset and feeling disempowered and mm-hmm. all the stuff. So we, I equated it in terms of the reframe. And a reframe is just simply looking at your situation or your emotions or the context of whatever it is you're experiencing from a different lens, a broader lens, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: a different perspective, or something of that nature where you kind of change. I mean, if you're looking at something really super zoomed in, and then you widen the lens, go way out, it changes the whole thing. So if you can reframe your experience, and so for Dawn and I, um, feeling that victim mentality and feeling challenged at that point, we had to reframe that. And the way I, what I what I equated it to was, I imagined you know some young third degree black belt who's trained all her life to be a warrior, and is good, but has never tested it. Oh, it's never been,
2: snap! It's never been in yes. a battle,
1: right? So here we were all this leadership training, mindfulness training, meditation, strength training, all these things that would strengthen our mind, our soul and our spirit, but it's never really been tested to this degree. Yes. So like we, so we framed it and say, like, hey, you know what? we got all this training on our belt. We're walking down a dark alley. We just got jumped by three thugs. Yeah. We, got a- <laughs> we had to get more capable and we had to get more determined. So that's what we said. That's what was coming from this. So what has evolved from this was that we've gotten stronger, and we continue to get stronger. We continue to evolve in terms of what we're capable of and understanding what we're capable of. And it's a simple reframe. Yes. Instead of being, hey, the victims, we're getting beat up in this freaking, you know, it's like I just got jumped in the freaking parking lot by three big thugs and I'm getting my ass kicked. No, we just got jumped by three big thugs, and we're fighting our way out.
0: Yes, this is your chance to show off what you can do. I love it.
1: Absolutely. And I'm betting that, that, uh, that third-degree black belt, that gal, is kicking their ass right now.
0: Totally. <laughs> I have to tell you, I am so happy that you, you said acknowledge those feelings because this year I, I am not a therapist, but I am therapy's biggest fan. I am like an advocate for therapy and because we don't want to not feel. right, We don't want to ignore what we're feeling. We want to acknowledge it just like you said. So that we can reframe it. You're right. It's such a gift to be able to feel.
1: It is. It is. And
0: that that's a reframe in and of itself.
1: Ugh. It is absolutely no question about it. Uh-huh. And and again, any any and you know this because you you are one of the. I got to tell you, I haven't I didn't tell you this at the beginning, but you are. I am so grateful for our friendship number one and two. You are always like so positive and a shining light. You know, one of the things we, we all talk about, we all understand that the only way to change the darkness is to be the light. And you're it, man. You walk into a room and it like lights up. Not just from your physical presence, but from your energy and your spiritual energy.
2: Thank and, you. And
1: so you are one of those people who I, I imagine and believe, knowing you, that you hold a large proportion of gratitude in your heart and your spirit for anything and everything that we experience, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. We have that gratitude. And listen, Bottom line is we we don't, we're not on this, I'm 61 now. And I got to tell you, it is going freaking fast, right? Now I haven't, I haven't hit middle age yet. Don't get me wrong, but it goes fast and we should have a sense of gratitude for every minute, every day, every experience, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Mm -hmm. because we get to experience and we get to experience maybe only once in our lifetime. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being that person who holds that light in their heart all the time.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. That means so much coming from you because I don't think you know how much I look up to you. (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of who, I mean, who do you look up to? So for you, for me, it's you. Um, Brendan Burchard is one of my people that I really like. Um, My business coach, Amanda Tress, I really look up to her. But so who, who do you look to, to get filled up and energized?
1: Well, it's interesting because I've been to you know, like so many different events uh, over the years. And, and certainly one of my mentors has always been Tony Robbins. Yeah. Tony, I, I know Tony personally. We're not dear friends, but I know him personally. In fact, I was honored that he, uh, he used my story and a ton of images and videos in one of his infomercials uh, a few years ago. Wow. Yeah, I am pretty excited about that. That was pretty cool. Oh. So I'm still a fan. Yeah, and, and let's face it, Tony Robbins really is, it, he, he's certainly not the godfather of all this, but he's certainly mm-hmm. uh, the one that's alive and kicking today and still doing it on a very powerful level, and mm-hmm. has given, you know, a, 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 has given seed to so many, like Brenda Bouchard, who I'm also mm-hmm. a big fan of, and know personally, been to several of his events. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a dear friend of mine, Dob Barron, up in Canada, just a fantastic teacher and a wonderful mentor. Um, oh, my God. There's so many others. And, you know, over the years, you know, reading books by Napoleon Hill and Maxwell Malt, Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just name it. We've, I pretty much read them all. And now um, I really kind of turn to, uh, there's so many different people, but I love uh, Les Brown is one of my favorite
2: oh, yeah.
1: guys, you know, I mean, he's just so enlightened and his story is so similar yeah. Um, he's a twin and he was in a special ed class early on. I went through all that stuff and, and, um, and so I really looked at him and, then, and, and Harv Becker, who's also a very dear friend of mine. I worked for Har I don't know if you know Harv. I don't. Um, he wrote, he wrote the book called the secrets of the millionaire mind and had a company called peak potentials for years. He sold it a few years ago for about 50 or $150 million, something like that. Um, oh. and I worked for Har for a while and he's still just a great guy, a real human being but with incredible knowledge and spiritual uh, uh, wisdom. And so I I always look to him and and I'd be amiss if I didn't mention my wife, because I got to tell you, she is my guide without question. When I go off track and we all do, we all do, no matter what, we go off track now and again, we get a little bit lost, or we lose a, a sense of our values or any number of things that could take us off track. And she gets me back on track again, always, always. And, uh, and so she's uh, wise beyond her years, for sure. Yeah. And so uh, she's one of my mentors.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you said that because I know people, um, they'll look at someone like you, maybe like me, and think that they're always that way and they don't have those days, but clearly you do. And even with you saying that you and you and Don kind of got into that victim mentality, if somebody as mentally strong as the two of you fell into that, of course, someone who hasn't done all of this work fell off the track and fell into that dark spot. So, I mean, it's okay that we get there. It's totally fine, but we
2: have to Absolutely. bring it back.
1: We got to bring it back. And that's it. And, and one of the things that, you know, you and I have learned and, and so many others who have embraced, uh, successfully anyway, uh, personal development, personal growth is that what, it, what personal growth does is just give us some tools. Mm-hmm. We can shift our mindset, we can shift our perspective, we can reframe a lot of our issues or traumas from early on that may otherwise hold us back and, and disempower us as we move forward. And a lot of times we don't know, we're like, we, we want to do something, we want to achieve something, but all of a sudden we're just like, I keep doing this, I keep doing that, I don't know why, but I keep, I keep doing that, I keep doing, I keep having, getting into the same crappy relationship or the same crappy job. We don't understand why. And personal growth and development teaches us why we do those things, so we understand our mindset, we understand what's going on below the surface. But most importantly, we have tools. Mm-hmm. We develop tools along the way. So we're go- it's human nature to fall sometimes into a little bit of a depression or fall into a rut or feel like a victim. And But you got to catch it. you got to catch it quickly, right? And then you utilize the tools that we've gotten, that we've developed along the way and that we've gotten along the way and we've been gifted along the way mm-hmm. through guys like Tony Robbins and Brenda Bouchard and Doug Barron and, and many others, right? Um, and then we got to put them, we got to be willing to put them in place because yeah. sometimes I hear something, you know, listen, guys, recognize this in yourself. If it happens, cause it does happen. Sometimes we freaking just want to stay stuck. Right? Right? We just want to stay mad, right? We just want to stay mad. You know what <sighs> what I mean? But if it's interrupting your life, it's disempowering dis- you or keeping you from moving forward. You're stuck too long in a state. Then you have to find the tools to be able to get out of that state, change it, and move towards what you want.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: ultimately, that's what the seven-step comeback plan is all about. It's about having tools to be able to say, you know what? I'm feeling a little stuck right now. I'm not even sure what to do. No. Download the book. It's free. Yeah. Take the steps. Use, go through the questionnaires. Go through the exercises. And I'm, mm-hmm. I almost guarantee you, before you get done with the book, the veil will already begin to evaporate. And you're going to start identifying what you want, what you want to start moving towards. And it's going to change your mindset almost immediately. And those are the tools. And those are just a small fraction of the tools that are out there, you know?
2: Yeah, the
0: tools are amazing. And, well, one thing I want to ask you about, have you and Dawn always been on the same page in terms of personal development and spirituality? Or was there ever a disconnect?
1: You know, I think most couples experience a disconnect. In fact, I got that the other, the other night on that question and answer I did on Facebook. Um, somebody, you know, uh, literally wrote that, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this work and I'm, I'm, I'm progressing, I'm growing in, in terms of my spirituality, even my finances and my husband, who I know personally, is still stuck. And he has such a negative mindset, such a negative uh, uh, perspective on life. You know, what, what should I do? And there's really nothing much you can do other than be that light, other than to develop yourself, and and hope, and pray, and support that ultimately your partner is inspired by that, motivated motivated by that. At some point, it may not happen. There may be too great a divide between you, but always keep continuing, encouraging. Never never saying, you know, you are always so negative. You're always this and this and that. You're always trying to hold me back. Understand that that's there and respect that that's their space right now. And there's mm-hmm. not a lot you can do other than be, as, you know, the old saying goes, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, mm-hmm. it starts right there in, in just that relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question directly, I would say Dawn and I have always been more or less on the same page. Um, it is interesting, though, because when I first met Dawn, Dawn's 14 years younger than me. And I'm, so I'm very fortunate. <laughs> he hasn't kicked me to the, the curve yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hot younger guys out there, you know myself so watch out guys um <laughs> um but early on she had never and most people early on in their lives have no clue or idea what personal development is what personal growth is what spiritual growth you know is in terms of it's it, the pursuit of it and so the first time i took Dawn, i took Dawn to an, a, a tony robbins event where we we walked on the hot coals you know we did the whole fire walk
2: oh my gosh was,
1: oh i practically had to drag her there you know what I mean? <laughs> like what no, I don't want it. No, that's not for me. I don't want to do that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, most people feel like they don't need it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, right, right. They
1: don't, they don't, I don't need that. What do I need that for? You know? Yep. It's amazing what happens once you experience and you're enlightened a little bit in terms of, wow, I didn't recognize that in myself. Now I do. Yeah. I didn't realize I was doing that. Now I do. I didn't mm-hmm. realize why I was stuck. Now I understand it. I'm not going to be break, break free yet, just as an understanding. Yeah. But at least I'm now open and to the resources and tools that might be able to be provided. Yeah. So Don and I have always, almost always, since that first time, I've been more or less on the same page. Mm-hmm. Listen to the same books. In fact, we're listening to the same book right now. Um, really good. I can't remember the name. What the heck is the name of it? Uh, oh, it's called The Wedge. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. It's really good. In fact, it's interesting. It's a, uh, I can't wait to meet the guy. The author's he- from here in Denver, Colorado. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, but the wedge is basically anything that we do, anything, you know, from an epigenetic standpoint, from an action standpoint, uh, from a disrupting our metabolism standpoint, anything that interrupts, uh, you know, our, our environment and our circumstances from our reaction. So it's that wedge between, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? Like whatever's happening to us in a moment and our reaction to it, oh. so I think you'll really enjoy that, so we're both listening so the reason i bring that up is because we're both listening to the same books almost simultaneously, and mm-hmm. so we discuss them. Mm-hmm. I asked her to explain, tell me about the wedge, what's the wedge today? It's <laughs> Love it. and it's like, uh, um, okay, and it's like and it in it deepens the knowledge, it deepens what mm-hmm. we're learning, you know, so we we challenge each other in that respect, so yeah. We're fortunate in that respect. Though.
0: You are. Um, Patrick and I, so my husband, we, we were not on the same page for a while. We, we now are. And I will tell you, like, it's really hard when you're not on the same page. Because, you know, you feel as though you're evolving and someone is behind and you just don't get it. But what's, what is cool, though, is when you can talk about... The books together and you're like well, you know well, what did you think about that or how did you it's just really really fun when you both are on the same page but I couldn't be the person to say like you gotta read this book and what's wrong with you I just had to be the light <laughs> people you,
1: do know. No, you, in fact, you know for yeah for, for years I worked with Peak Potentials and Peak Potentials was rival Tony Robbins in terms of the magnitude of people it was reaching and mm-hmm. the live events. so I was, I was doing live events in Canada and all over North America and uh, Singapore and, and Europe. And it was really fun and fascinating to do it. Uh, but the thing that we had to always address with every individual, we had people raise their hand. How many of you are here for the first time? How many of you got dragged here? How many are here with the second time? How many of you got a spouse at home that's not here with you? We always had to address that spouse issue.
2: Mm-hmm. Because a
1: lo- if you go to some of these events and you feel, number one, you feel enlightened, you feel motivated, you feel elevated, <clears throat> and then you get home, and your environment is exactly as it was when you left and your partners exactly as they were when you left and you've got all this new energy and what we believe is wisdom uh, it can be really frustrating and discouraging so mm-hmm. we, we we make sure that we we share with people that this is not something you you the more you try and shove this kind of stuff down anyone's throat the more they reject it totally i gotta be honest it, it happens all the time i gotta be honest you know it's just like i i even if i know i know it's like okay the mask the mask thing during this COVID-19 thing, it may help prevent, you know, somebody from getting it or me getting it. You know what I mean? But it's been shoved down my throat so much that I reject it. Yeah. I'm rejecting it. It's like, I don't want to wear a mask. I will not wear a mask. Although I had to get ice. I'm, a, I'm, I'm at somebody's house. This is why I'm in the driveway in the car. I'm at a very dear friend's house. He's having a few people over. I had to pick up ice. They wouldn't let me in the store without a mask. So I pulled my shirt up over my face. <laughs> oh, like, ah but the more we shove something down someone's throat, yeah. Christianity, Judaism, whatever it might be, our belief system, you can't impose it on someone. They'll reject it. You have to let them see what it's doing for and to you. Yep. And then maybe they'll say, you know what, man, maybe there's something to this stuff. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent lead by example. That's the best way.
1: Yeah. How did you guys get through it? How did you guys work through? Cause now it sounds like you're, on um,
0: the- you know, it- <laughs> Pat did a lot of of work on his own. He finally, something just happened inside of him. He, he, I actually had him on the podcast to talk about it. And it was great because so many men resonated with it. Um, Because I, I don't know why, at least with the demographic I work with, the women are off doing their thing, trying to get better. And the husbands think they're doing what they're supposed to do, going to work making all the money, but then they lose themselves along the way. Just like women oftentimes lose themselves to motherhood. Um, but he, he fell into almost a depression and anxiety. And luckily he's very communicative. And so we would talk and I, I advised him to go talk to somebody else, a therapist, cause I'm so pro therapy mm-hmm. and that just helped him get out of it. And he realized what he needed to do. He did all the work. I didn't shove anything down his throat. Wow. And I'm just, in. I just do my thing. You know, but yeah. also that was also challenging though, Tom, yeah. from an ego standpoint. And he talks all about it. Like, see my wife out here kicking ass. I go into the gym. It's going to suck. I-, I used to be an athlete. I can't do overhead press. You know, it's just like.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it- it's so oh, it- I it- totally get it. Yeah, you know. It's, Who- it's tough from a, from, a, from a male perspective. We have egos. There's no question yeah. about it. We have to let go of some of that ego, but we do have egos and it's, it's, yeah. it's hard. We want to be the breadwinner. We want to be, you know, the leader. We want to be the man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and and even allowing it takes a a evolved man in many respects to even feel comfortable with, uh, there. And, and I know this is antiquated thinking by today's standards, but it takes an evolved man and a very confident man to feel comfortable with his wife excelling, growing, expanding, doing her thing, following her mission, it's difficult, you know, and, and it can easily build up unconscious resentment that ultimately shows up in the relationship, you know, mm-hmm. unless we're growing together. Yep. And mm-hmm. then, you know, but like I said, it doesn't happen naturally for everyone. No. You can't force it either. No.
0: no. I mean, I'll send it to you. It's it, It's my favorite podcast because Pat just opens up and you, I mean, everybody loves Pat. No matter what, and just he, he opens <laughs> up and he cries, and it's just like it's so awesome.
1: Wow. I can't wait to see it. I want to see that. That's going to be enlightening for me. Right? And I'll be I- like, damn, I need to do that. I need to understand that better.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, Tom! Well, I I am so grateful for you. Thank you for doing your thing. You always inspire me, and I'm always on the lookout for you. I actually was listening to that Q and A session when that woman started talking, and it's a uh, thing out there. Yeah. I was, I was, I timed in cause I love all your stuff. I'm always like, I don't, I don't do you normally work with what kind of people?
1: What's your, uh, I depth? work with, I work with a lot of professionals,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: but it's, I love working with anyone and everyone, but you know, I mean, at some point you have to, you have to kind of like identify your market. Who can you have the greatest impact on? Who can you really relate to um, and share with and who's within your, financial demographic you know yeah. depending on how much you know for me it was like I spent years and years and years working one-on-one um, for a relatively low amount of money and I made a decision at some point and this is by the way this is for everyone you have to you have to decide your value in right. Life.
2: Mm-hmm. right
1: you have to decide what you're worth and that can be measured sometimes financially maybe not maybe it's some other way that you measure or calculate your value and for me my value is you know, with all the years of experience and time and energy I put into this it's just, and what I can share and I know what I can, I can ultimately help people achieve in their lives, put a high price on it. And yeah. so I have to work with professionals and entrepreneurs who are, if I could show you the house I'm sitting in front of right now. Now, I know we're not on video, you and I, but I tell you this house, you <laughs> got to see this house, man. It's like James Bond's secret lair.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Water and, and spread out and it's just magnificent. It's one of my clients. And it's just like, man. And uh, so I love working with people who can can do that. But I've worked with others. As you know, I worked with a a gal from our gym several years ago who was a struggling massage therapist. And Mm -hmm. just our first meeting, we just sat down in the gym and she was in tears.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I decided right then and there, you know, that this is the kind of person I want to help. This is the kind of person I want to help guide. And as a result, certainly not my doing, but as a result of that initial motivation, getting moving, whiteboarding, and creating something. She's become a multimillionaire and an online force, you know? And, and so it doesn't have to start with someone being a superstar mm-hmm. or a professional. But I like to work with people that have already achieved some level of success and have found themselves in a the plateau mm-hmm. in the relationships or the finances or their career in some way, shape, or form. And I can help them get to the next level.
0: And I will say, you, you have to invest in yourself you know like it's worth it i don't know how much it's worth how much it costs to work with you but if it's like fifty thousand dollars it's worth fifty thousand dollars you know pay you got to in, invest in yourself people i have so many coaches it's not even
1: funny do, daughter, you did you've got coaches right you You can't be a coach unless you've had coaches or having coaching. You just right. have to, you know? Yes. And and you relate to it. Dawn and I, when Dawn and I first, we first went to Tony Robbins several years ago, We you know, and he was selling his programs, we shelled out a, we were in, Dawn was in tears, in tears. Like, we know, we know we need to do this. We got to do this, but, but can we afford it? And we just like, give him a freaking credit card. And we did it. And I tell you something, it made all of that Number one, that was an empowering decision. It was just like, it took us out of scarcity. It was like, we can't afford this, but we have to afford it. So we'll find a way to afford it.
2: Mm -hmm. When
1: when you're in scarcity, that is the first coaching lesson right there. You can't live in scarcity. Identify your value and be willing to invest in yourself until you can get others to identify that same level of value that you bring to the world. Yes. And that's how you do it, you know? But thank you so much for having me on. It's been it's yeah. such a pleasure. Awesome. Please tell Don hello for me. I sure will. Absolutely. And by the I, way, I just want to give people a reminder. if you'd like to you know download the book, it's free.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll follow up
1: webinar yeah. Awesome. Please, uh, include that I'll
2: link to
0: your website, your Facebook page, and this book because who knows? people might do you even have coaching slots opening? Are you taking on new clients?
1: I actually, I actually, for our experience of leave coaching, this is our big one. Um, the experience of leave coaching, we've got a new one coming up. Uh, June fifteenth, we start. It's ten people, only ten people. But I got to tell you, it is a profound process. It's a, lo- it's a. Uh, what I love about it is it's a hybrid between personal one-on-one type coaching and a mastermind.
2: Awesome. So you have a
1: lot of the personal stuff going through an actual coaching process. But then you mastermind those processes and share and have accountability with a group—20, 10 people—but um, they're all like-minded and they're all invested and they're all ready and willing to grow. So it's really cool. So that starts uh, June 15th. And um, and by the way, if you go to, let me give you this website. Yes. If you go to replay. Dot. The Dot Replay. The You can get the replay of the webinar we did uh, last week, but you can also, and this is for a very limited time for a limited number of people, but I've got a calendar on there. You can pick a date and a time where I'm happy to sit down. We'll schedule a time for 20, 30 minutes or so. We'll sit down. We'll talk about your greatest challenge. Maybe I can help create some perspective around that and do a little bit of coaching if that's something you'd like. And I'll also share more about our experience to leave coaching process. It's not for everyone. We're not accepting everyone, but it might be for you. And it might be something that can really help you break through and take that giant leap of faith in your life. That's what it's all about. The experience to leap is about consciously taking that giant leap of faith in your life and moving towards the life that you deserve. So I'll share more about it. It's certainly not to sell you on it by any means. It's just to share with you. And uh, so you can do that. And and, uh, I I certainly hope to hear from you. I think it'd be fun.
0: Awesome. Oh yeah. You guys, you can't find a better coach. I'll tell you right now. Tom is the guy. I love it.
1: Yeah. Thank well, you, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate
0: it. Oh, thanks. I love, I think mean, it's amazing. What was in that little space off Walnut street eight years ago. Right. Like it was, it, you, the, the, the people that came out of that space, something was going on in the universe at that point in time.
1: I, I agree, and it is so funny how things come together like that, and mm-hmm. you don't realize it necessarily at the time, you know. Yeah. You know, even I mean, even what Chris Lindley has done in terms of his evolution and what he's doing to serve people, <laughs> I mean, it's just fantastic. And I love the guy. Yeah. You know, and he and 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 just you're right. That was a, a kind of one of those places in in space and time, mm-hmm. and we have a few of them. There's a few of them in my life, back going back as early as the '80s and the '90s, and he's just like, and that was one of them, no question about. it. I always remember it. I fact. I I just uh, I just put a video on Facebook about breaking through the pain barrier during training and during anything in life during whatever mm-hmm. we're trying to achieve. Uh, that was shot several years ago at that space. Oh. So I remember. as so I was uh, watching it. As I was watching it, I'm like, "Wow, that was a cool space, man. There was so many, so many cool people, and so much good energy."
2: So,
0: yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Well, thank you again, um, and I will talk to you soon. I'll get this over to you as soon as I've got it posted.
1: You got it. Thank you so much. And God bless everyone. Be safe. Yes. Wear the mask even if you reject it. What the heck? <laughs> and the gyms will be opening soon. Get your butt back in there. Take <laughs> care of your health. Take care of your lives and I hope to hear from you all.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Tom.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guys. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you again for tuning in today. If you would like to connect more with Tom and learn more about him and what he has to offer, you can find him at his website, TomTrawilliger.com. That's T-O-M-T-E-R-W-I-L-L-I-G-R. And also on Facebook and Instagram with the same handle.